welcome to Maths Talk by AMC Schools, where conversations in maths become part of your professional learning. I'm Leanne McMahon. For our first podcast this year, I want to introduce a really special guest, Greg O'Connor, who is a very well-respected educator and a real expert in using digital technologies in the classroom. Our topic today is what's wrong with maths in Australia? A fairly broad topic, but more importantly, how we can use digital technologies to improve the way that we teach mathematics in Australia. So, Without further ado, I'd like to introduce Greg O'Connor, an embracer of positive disruption. Welcome, Greg. Thank you, Leanne, and thank you for having me. My introduction of you as an embracer of positive disruption comes directly from your website, and I would like to probe that further. But before we do, I'm going to ask you to give our audience an insight into your career, what makes you tick, and where you're going. <laughs> Well, uh, well, I'm currently I'm head of education for Texthelp, which is a an ed tech company, a global ed tech company, and I'm um and I'm here based in Lismore, uh, um, in the northern New South Wales coast. But my, but I'm a teacher. I'm a teacher of over thirty years. I was brought up in the western suburb of Sydney. Went off to university. You know, was a lucky. I was a Gough Whitland child, so I, I got a scholarship became a teacher and they sent me straight back to the Western Suburbs of Sydney and I was put on a composite primary class, third, fourth, fifth, sixth composite class of 18 boys who had no literacy and no numeracy and I loved it and I thought this was the best thing ever. And so I've been in that space ever since, the space of supporting kids with a, a range of diverse education needs, particularly around literacy and numeracy. So um, I've been a classroom teacher, obviously in primary schools, but also in secondary schools. I've worked in TAFE. I've worked overseas in the Seychelles, uh, teaching kids with additional needs. I've also been a regional manager for New South Wales Department of Ed uh, around student services. But my kind of interest has been for all those all our students who, for whatever reason, struggle at school, particularly around literacy and numeracy, and the use of educational technology. That's where my passion is, those two things. And for the last, I guess, 15 years, Leanne, I'm kind of, I guess, in a way, proof that it could be life after teaching. So the last 15 years, I've actually been in the private sector working for various ed tech companies, and I'm currently with Texthelp, and we, we produce a whole bunch of stuff for uh, schools and post-school environments around lit uh, literacy and numeracy. So that's that's my passion, and, and I hope I can kind of uh, convey that a bit today as we talk around solving the challenges of numeracy in Australia. Wow. Okay. Easy. No worries. It sounds from that career highlights that you are a really good person to talk about this sort of stuff. Now we know that there's some issues with education in Australia and especially in, with maths education. That PISA and Tim's data tells us that all of the time, but with your experience, what do you see as the numeracy challenges? Well, maybe if I went back a step. So I often think, well, why is it why is it important to even address this before even looking at the challenges? And and at Textile, what we're on about is actually looking at why it's important, how we can actually make maths better for teachers, for students. You know, we want to disrupt all this stuff. So when I when I think about in in Australia, for instance, in New Zealand, I work across Australia, New Zealand, and Southeast Asia. I know that, for instance, math is important because I know that kids who have persistent math problems are less likely to graduate high school. In fact, some of the data indicates like 30% less likely. 
and are definitely less likely to go to to university. I also know that uh, from what I've read, I was looking at the uh, the Australian um, Office of the Chief Scientist, some of the data there, that STEM jobs in Australia are growing at 1.5 times the rate of non-STEM jobs. So if if you struggle with mathematics, not only are you struggling to get through school, you're actually going to have a double whammy. You're not even going to actually get work when you leave school. And we know that that employers value people with STEM, even if they're not in a STEM job, they value that. So for me, those two things, getting through school and getting a job, maths is critical, and that's the basis. And so the challenge that I think, there's lots of challenges for us, but I kind of focus on two, and I kind of focus on the challenges to make mathematics accessible and digital. When you kind of think think about that, I know that in education and in schools, a lot of learning, most learning is actually in the digital in the digital realm. So we know actually during COVID, of course, wasn't it? it was, we, we went totally digital. We went, our kids went in the classroom, all that kind of stuff. And you know, some of the things around that, do you know that most uh, content is provided to kids via either, well, number one is websites. So the most place they're going to go to is a website. And then if they're going to get given a document, PDFs are the most common format that we give content and assessment tasks to our kids, followed obviously by a Google Doc or a Word Doc after that. So the challenge is to actually, the reality is that if our kids are on websites or if they're they're actually accessing a PDF, one, how accessible can they get that? And how how can they actually interact with that in a digital framework when they might not have the tools to even be able to do that, you know? So that's kind of, that makes the challenge. The accessibility bit is really important. So obviously I have a a literacy background as well. And for me, that's really important because literacy is at the core of everything we do. 50% of mathematics is reading. That's a number I just put out of the the air. Oh, we don't don't pull statistics out of our hat, do we? (laughs) Well, I I understand it's something like 95% of statistics are made up, but um, who knows? But anyway, we know that Australia's going to need something like six and a half million digital workers in the in the next four years, and only six percent of our workforce actually holds a university degree in STEM. And one of the reasons for that it can actually be traced to literacy in schools. At the moment, something like thirty percent of kids struggle with the literacy requirements of school. What's required? So when I kind of go into my year nine science class or year nine maths class, the first thing often I've got to do for whatever reason is read. I'm going to read the textbook. I'm going to read the website before I even start to do math. And when I've dived into this, readability and mathematics is super important. We know that mathematics textbooks contain more concepts per sentence and paragraph than any other type of text. In fact, STEM is the most difficult text to read of any text. And often, you know, um, I've got tools that I can do a readability analysis of a STEM textbook. And when I do that and look at the reading level of that book, say for instance, I had a look at a year nine a science textbook and I put it through a readability analysis, often that year nine textbook, the reading level is, is around grade 10 and 11 upwards. So even to actually read that textbook, I've got to have above reading level. And if I've got 30% of my kids in my room who are struggling to read at grade level, are they there to actually do science or maths or are they there to try to decode 
the textbook before they even get to that stage. So I could, I mean, obviously I could bang on about this, but it, it is super important. I mean, things like the whole mass vocabulary, you know, the fact that we've got to not only be able to read the words, but we've got to be able to decode the numeric symbols and the non-numeric symbols, and then you've got graphics. And so all that stuff uh, uh, plays in. When, um, when a kid opens up a maths textbook or a science textbook, any STEM textbook, and they're trying to read it at grade level, if their reading level is below 100 words per minute, they're spending their whole time trying to decode individual words and they're not getting any background meaning from that, that text. So the reason I'm saying this is uh, that accessibility piece just around literacy is important because when we make maths digital, when we make our, when our learning is digital, so a web page or a PDF, if that page can be read back to me, so if I'm on a web page and I've got a little tool on top of my toolbar that lets me read that back to me, all of a sudden by having that read to me, I'm actually now in, in maths and science not to not to learn to read but to get the information to crack on and do my maths. So it's amazing. Often when you get read to, you can understand content two to three grade levels above your reading level. Yeah, so, so making it digital is really important. And, and when I talk to a lot of maths teachers, it's kind of, that's not even in their radar. No, I was about to say that actually, that is not something that I have ever come across in years, certainly in secondary maths teachers. Primary is a whole different story because the teacher is not just involved in the mathematics education. They're involved in the literacy education, so they can see the complementation of that. Whereas in secondary, we often will say, read this, then do that. And it astounds me the number of kids that don't read it because in in my mind, I thought it was just that they weren't doing their homework. But I suggest that perhaps it's because they can't read it or they can't understand it. Yeah, exactly. And so if I'm in year nine and I'm um, doing science and I'm a struggling reader my whole school career and you say to me, read page 10, I look at that page and I'm going to go, I can't do that. So so I, I've got, immediately I've got things around self-esteem. I can't do it. I meet a lot of kids in, in secondary school around their literacy, particularly around STEM, who tell me they're dumb at mathematics, but that's because they can't read the text. And so it's a cognitive load of always trying to decode and decode and decode. When I finally get to what I've got to do, I'm exhausted. So um, it's about just doing simple things like text-to-speech, example, is that little simple feature that you can get access to in, in the digital world just reduces the burden of so many kids. Just You see their kind of shoulders drop, oh, I'm not here to read, I'm here to do science, I'm here to do maths, and I can crack on and get that done And because that's not what's being um, I often think of uh, NAPLAN. So, for example, in NAPLAN, we want to be sure that we're assessing their mathematics and not their literacy. So that assessment is what? 50% reading and 50% maths, I don't know. Yeah, so that's, that's it's, it is super important. It's kind of as a disruptor, I guess, when I work in schools and work with teachers, it's it's kind of disrupting their, what they think is happening but saying there's, there are solutions that you can find. And it's actually empowering, giving agency to, to your kids and saying, here's a tool that's, okay, read this. So we here at TechSoft, we have tools that do that. What it will do, it will actually take any text and convert it to an MP3 file for you. So kids can actually then take a website, make the website into an MP3 file, and then listen to it. You know, when, when they need to come back to to review what that website 
Okay. Okay. So could you do that for a, a textbook? Well, obviously what you need to do is get the textbook that actually is digital from yep. the from the publisher. Just about all of them are now. Yeah, they are. They are. And then actually make sure that the kids have access to the digital format of that textbook. And wherever they're reading it on in their, on their computer or online, just making sure that they have a text-to-speech reader that will read it back to them. And that's a really um, simple solution. Of course, that doesn't resolve everything. You know, just because it's being read to you doesn't mean you actually understand or comprehend the concepts. We pre-teach the vocab that kids are going to be reading before they get the, you know, so pi. Pi is a homophone. It can be pie or it could be the thing you eat. Uh, takeaway. Takeaway can be during COVID, the most common the common meal you've been buying lately, as an example. Exactly. Um, <laughs> exactly. And even words like subtraction as takeaway, as difference. In a podcast a few months ago, we actually talked about that word subtraction having so many different meanings. And so yeah. kids don't see difference in the same vein as they see subtraction or take away. There's lots of words like that. And, and when you only ever read your STEM content at your grade level, so if you're a struggling reader, you're only going to read the vocab at that grade level, so you never get introduced to the vocab at your grade level, so you're missing out on vocab all the time. And so you actually need that read to you, and then you need to get tools that actually go, oh, I've come across the word, I don't know what it means, how do I go and find out what that word means? You know, and there's all sorts of ways you can do that as well. But and obviously primary school teachers kind of do this, don't they? They pre-teach vocab, but sometimes we in secondary school, we just presume the kids know the vocab. Yep. And um, if you don't understand the vocab, then you don't understand what the thing's about. So yep, Yeah, that's right. Well, in primary school, I advocate all the time to have a vocab. We'll have a maths wall that includes the vocab and that sort of thing. I try and advocate yeah. for it in secondary schools, but often they're not in the same classroom. They're not being taught by, always by the same teacher. So yeah. And so in that case, you actually, what we need to give agency to the kids. So what, what often when the teacher's in charge of this, deciding, you know, this is a vocab, here's your vocab wall, I've got it set up, that kind of even differentiate. When you think about differentiation, it's often in the, the teacher controls the differentiation process. The cool thing about personalisation, particularly in the STEM space, is what when you personalise the environment, the student has some agency, they've got, they've got control, so they come across words or they want to make their own word wall, they can do that. Like an example of that, and I can't show you because we're on a podcast, but there's lots of readability websites, but there's one called Rewordify. I think it's Rewordify. You just Google Rewordify. And what it does, it does a whole bunch of stuff. It will tell teachers the reading level of the text or the material they're going to give them. So, you know, before you send students to a website, it'll tell you how difficult that website is to read. But what it will also do it will colour code that web, the text on the website into parts of speech. Now, the reason that's important that kids can do this is they can go through and turn off all the parts of speech except for the nouns and it identifies all the nouns on the web page. The kids then grab that and there's their word wall. All those nouns that are, that are identified on the web page, I need to know what all, that, all those nouns mean to actually understand that web page if I don't. I've got, I'm going to go off and actually find out what they're seeing. And we've got all sorts of tools, obviously, in, in the digital space for supporting comprehension and understanding. This became really obvious during COVID when um, it's still obvious during the pandemic when all of our students went home and were teaching learning from home and we realised, oh, my goodness, um, I can't walk up and help Mary next to her and say, oh, that word. 
So we actually had to give agency to our kids, didn't we? Because they weren't paid to get on. And I think that's that agency is a really uh, important component that, that we need to consider. Yeah. Mm, and for some kids, that was really beneficial to them. They're not the sort of kids that are going to put their hands up in class and ask for help. But they had to identify areas where they were struggling or areas that they needed help with and yeah. perhaps other, ask in other ways. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's an accessibility piece. And then for me, the, the second way, uh, the challenge that we can meet is about the digital piece. Okay, so I'm on a website or wherever I am in the digital world, I've got to, I've actually got to write A squared plus B squared equals C squared. I've got to use my keyboard to produce that on my screen. How do you do that? But, you know, sometimes you've got to be an engineer just to run those things. And we're not all, you know, particularly if I'm actually, my focus is on, you know, those kids who really aren't getting there. You know, um, uh, just as a, um, as a side, uh, there's a great podcast by a guy called Todd Rose and it's called The Myth of Average. And he's a, a Harvard professor who has dyslexia and he talks around why, why literacy is important and how it affected his life and, and how what is average and all that kind of stuff. And one of the things he talks about in this, it's, a, it's actually a TED Talk. In his TED Talk, he says, you know, there's something like, I don't know, 50,000, again, I'm making up these numbers, but a lot of kids in the US who are actually are gifted and talented who are dropping out of school. And one of the reasons they're dropping out of school is, is around their literacy and their numeracy. They just, because they, they, they actually have a different set of schools, we're not, you know, not, not catering for these kids. And one of and he said, one of those kids who are dropping out of school could have the cure to cancer in their head. We just haven't given them the tools to tell us what it is because we've just had this one size fits all. You know, this, it's either pen and paper, here's your pencil, here's your piece of paper, or there's your document, and there's only one way to do that. And so we, in the, we need to make it digital to give those kids multiple ways that they can actually access the information and multiple ways they can tell us what they know. And so... We, we need to be able to make math digital because when you make the ability to create an equation digitally, when I, if, if I make it easy, that's really important. So, you know, if I can actually have multiple ways you can do that. So how about if I just say quadratic formula and it pops up on the screen? Wouldn't that be awesome? Or how about if I start to type in the word Q-U-A-D and all of a sudden my predictive text is actually not literacy, but it's actually mathematical science. So as I type that in, it actually starts to predict for me the equation that I'm looking for, as an example, or the formula. Right. What happens with a lot of teachers is they'll go to a, I don't know, they'll find some math somewhere on a website or whatever, and they'll don't do a screenshot of it, you know, and dump it in a PDF and go, okay, here's the maths. And the kid looks at it and goes, oh, and then, they pull out their PDF, out their screenshot, you know, their text-to-speech program, but they can't read it because it's it's an image, it's a photograph. Yeah, so what they need to do is actually be able to not use that mass in, in that, if that's the quadratic formula in that in that diagram or that picture, that needs to be made digital. So when the kids um, actually choose that equation, it's read back to them. So when it's read back to them, they hear denominator, numerator, square, hear all that vocab that they need to hear, and plus they can edit the maths as well. So that all these things are really important. What, what we did um, as a group here in Textop was about four or five years ago, we weren't really playing really well in this space. We were obviously playing really well in the literacy space. We, we realised that we're just touching the edges of maths and, and 
STEM and all that kind of stuff. So we decided we wanted to actually really um, disrupt the way math is taught and learned by kids by actually rethinking this, so by giving tools that will do those things, increasing productivity of teachers by actually letting them make things digitally that then they can share with kids and a whole bunch of whole bunch of stuff around that that we're interested in. Yeah. I think especially for teachers my age, I've been teaching, you know, well over 30 years. And I would consider myself very digitally literate, but I'll tell you what, when I'm writing out maths equations, I need a pen and paper. So this whole idea of the doing it all digitally, I mean, when you said A squared plus B squared equals C squared, it would take me five minutes to type that into the computer. Whereas we're working with digital natives. Our kids are well ahead and much more creative and much more dependent on technology than we are. And so that ability to do that sounds so futuristic to me. I did a session at a university conference and we we're talking about these issues. And, and I'll actually give you, I'll give you the link to this little research paper around. They asked university students about expectations that at university and stuff. And one of their one of the number one expectations is they had an expectation of a digital environment. They just presume going to university, they would be living and working in a digital world. And when they get given a piece of paper, what do I do with that? So like front, the lecturers at the front, the teachers at the front, they're writing all their equations and the whiteboard and stuff. And then they're kind of saying to the students, okay, write this down, this is really important. Transcribing can be a major issue for lots of kids. If I don't transcribe from the whiteboard onto my, I can actually just change one component of that formula and I've actually not got. So wouldn't it be cool and it, this is like this, we can do this now. I could take a photo of that whiteboard and then my photo can be automatically OCR'd and actually created that text on the whiteboard can be created into digital maths that I can then have read to me and I can edit. Or you or you want to do a, you know, you want to you you want you're writing AC A squared plus B squared equals C squared. You can literally write that on a piece of paper, take a photo of it, it will actually make that into digital mass and dump it into whatever document you have have open, away you go. So obviously there's a bunch of tools can do that, and this is what we've been focusing on. So we have this tool called um, Equatio that does all those things that actually creates that digital mass for kids. So they can use their voice to create the mass. They can uh, actually use a touch screen and, and actually their handwriting can be turned automatically into mass. They can actually use predictive text but in maths and science. Or they can just simply take a photo with their smartphone or their iPad or whatever and convert it. Or better still, if a teacher gives them some text, uh, an image that they can't access, it will just automatically convert that to digital mass uh, or a website to digital mass. Just the power of that. I was at a a school in in Southeast Asia and this teacher was walking around with this T-shirt on and it had this uh, equation on it, and then it had something of the, def- the, the definition of beauty underneath it. And I looked at it and I had no idea what this thing was. I was with some kids and so we took a photo of the teacher's T-shirt. We grabbed the equation off and actually converted to digital maths. We then um, did a Google on that and it was Euler's identity. And then when we went to the website about Euler's identity, the, the kids, because they had this program that we were using pressure, they went in and they could grabbing it. And I just thought, you know, prior to that, this disruption, prior to that, kids would look at that T-shirt and go, no idea what that is, you know, I'll move yeah, on. But almost, move on. it's like you've got to hook them before you can cook them. So I needed to actually show them how they can, oh, that's what it means. 
oh, wow. And that didn't require me to read the guy's T-shirt. It just required me to find out what was talking. And all of a sudden I was learning about Euler's identity and I was down the rabbit hole. Um, and I had a bit of agency in the process. So yeah, that's, that's interesting because when you first started talking, I thought, oh, well, this is great for strugglers. This is something that that the, the students who are struggling with reading and, and yeah. this is something that would be really helpful for them. But you're talking about all students, including, you know, the more advanced students. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, um, I'm actually talking about a thing called universal design for learning, as a matter of fact. We need to give all kids multiple ways they can engage with their learning content. We need to give every student, either at school, TAFE, university, or in the workforce, multiple ways they can access content, the multiple ways stuff is represented to them, and multiple ways they can demonstrate understanding. So when you're doing a higher ed degree and you're reading a lot, you're doing a lot of reading and a lot of text production, what I'm talking, the things I'm talking about is super useful. I'll meet PhD students and, and actually the way they get through their reading is not sitting there trying to read it. They'll actually convert it to audio and actually yeah. listen to it because you can take in information via your ears a lot faster than you can via your eyes. And, mm-hmm. um, and then to be able to create digital maths really easily or go to that lecture and go, oh, my goodness, I've got to get all this down, photograph, convert, I'm away. I've I I just saved probably a couple of hours of doing all the writing down and making sure it's all correct and, yeah, yeah, and so yeah. all that kind of stuff's really important. Yeah. Which is why we do a podcast and don't write a book. <laughs> well, that's that's right, but this is why also you said, oh, send me the links and we can share those because people are going to listen to the podcast. They're also going to read some of the transcript maybe or some of the notes. They're going to get access to some of the links. That they're so we're giving them multiple ways they can get information from this podcast. Yeah, exactly. So we're, we're walking the talk. Uh, sorry, <laughs> yeah, walking the talk. Yeah, it's, uh, it's taken a while though, you know, for secondary teachers to start moving this way. It really, it started, I guess, with textbooks going digital yeah educational technology is is a disruption if you actually use the the kind of things i've been talking around Mm -hmm. it has to disrupt your your pedagogy because you've got to rethink so they often talk about ed tech as being an amplifier of pedagogy so what it does um it, it shines a light on how you teach just by having some of these tools we've talked about and there's a lot more but just by putting them in place doesn't mean things are going to change you know ICT doesn't stand for information communication technology. It stands for it can't teach. So just by actually giving <laughs> access to technology doesn't mean kids are going to become engaged or you're going to all of a sudden become this superhuman teacher. All it does is gives you another tool and actually hopefully will make your, your teaching better. But, it, but if your pedagogy is flawed, these tools are not going to replicate that. It's like the Sam R model, you know. What you're going to do is keep substituting how you taught. What we need to do is people to think, oh, wow, I could do this differently. I, maybe there's another way. Maybe that kid in the corner who is struggling, if I give that kid a different way of telling me, all of a sudden I've discovered they know a whole bunch of stuff I didn't even realise because I just haven't given them ways to, to tell me that stuff. Okay. You know? So how do you get teachers involved in this? If a teacher's starting to listen to this and think wow this sounds amazing what do i do to get involved what you can just google this stuff obviously there we go <laughs> um and find out but it's really important to think about as a teacher as a math teacher as a science teacher 
is actually to have that initial disruption. You know, I need to think about, okay, well, there's a lot of things here I need to think about. So I mentioned one of the tools that we have is called Equatio. Now, what we've decided to do to, to actually disrupt this really completely is we actually need to give it to teachers. So it's actually free for, for all teachers on the planet. Oh, um, teachers love something free. Yeah. Now, it's not free for kids, obviously, but it's actually saying, to teachers, check this out, have a yeah. look at this. When you realise, you go, wow, this is this makes a lot of sense, and then you can kind of explore further. So mm-hmm. I will send you the link that teachers can great. just show for free. But there's a there's a lot of pla- people who are currently using it. There's different schools that are using it. It's the ed tech paradox. You don't know what's available if you don't know what's available. Yeah. And if you've never been disrupted, you're happy where you in your lot in life, then you're never going to go looking. But the pandemic has disrupted us. It really Our kids are, dis- are demanding to be disrupted because they're saying we need different ways of doing this. And I don't know, it just makes, for me, it, it's, I get a buzz from it all, you know, when you actually start going down, it actually makes teaching and learning fun and I want to reduce the, the, um, the issues that kids have around cognitive load, around failure, all those issues which are, which really shouldn't be there and um, and kind of give them the tools to get on with what they need to do. It's about making our kids resilient, give them the tools to actually be risk takers because that's, yeah. about it, in the sciences and, and mathematics, it is around resilience, it's around risk taking, it's around hanging in there, finding the solution going down, that didn't work, I need to go somewhere else, that didn't work, mm-hmm. I'm going to you know, get there eventually. We could do a whole session just on well-being. And- we always love a guest to come back. <laughs> I was actually going to talk to you about maths anxiety and how you see how we could use yeah. this digital technology. Yeah, I recently did a, a – I've done a couple of uh, – um, sessions with some parent groups and a couple of um, articles where we we talked around um, math anxiety and the issue around students, the, the way they see themselves around mathematics. So how you think about mathematics, that is actually formulated in your early years of school. How many kids do you meet who say, I'm not good at maths? You know, um, how many adults do you meet? How many teachers do you meet who say, I'm not good at maths? And so that's that becomes really evident. And when you're at school, by the time you get to uh, end of primary school, your attitude to, towards maths is fixed. This yep. is what you think about mathematics. And so what happens is um, you can be reinforced in primary school because I was a primary school educator. I trained as a primary school educator. I had more of a bent towards literacy than numeracy, but I actually had to teach the whole curriculum. And maybe I gave off the vibe in primary school that, oh, this is not really something that I'm, we're doing this, but I really don't love it. But even before that, kids at home with their mums and dads, they're told by their parents, we're not good at maths in this house. We don't need mathematics. (laughs) You know, we need to change the attitude towards towards mathematics. A lot of kids have that. And so by the time they get to secondary school, they have a total anxiety about it because they have this self-belief they're not good at it. And that self-belief needs to be, we need to, we need to turn that around and show them that there's multiple ways that you can engage with your maths curriculum and there's multiple ways that you can tell me what you know about it and learn learn with that. And and actually, yeah, that's uh, that's to me is a really important component of, of what we do. Don't you think maths gets a bum rap? 
You know, uh, it's kind of... We're you know, constantly like, banging our head against a brick wall and seen as the, the boring cousin. It's important, but boring. Yeah. It's quite acceptable to say I'm not a maths person. I can't do maths. No one says yeah. I can't read. In fact, it's, it's geeky to be good at maths. Yeah, well, well, hopefully geekiness and nerdiness now is becoming on on point. So, so Textop is where I work for. So it's a global mm-hmm. company. We have like 120 staff. We're an ed tech company that actually focus on the areas I've been talking about. We're in the U- UK, the US, the Nordics. We're all across the world. In our company, we have about 80 programmers, 80 um, um, people who program uh, developers who, mm-hmm. who actually are sitting there writing code doing the QA, developing the tools that we, that we have. In those, uh, in those 80, 80 odd developers, programmers, such a small component of female, such a small component. And why is that? Why don't girls go into that profession? And it's not because we don't want to employ them. No. We, actually, we can't get them. And when our, most of our guys are actually based in Belfast in Northern Ireland. Um, and so when we're looking for a new programmer or, or whatever, we kind of advertise in that that kind of territory. And if we do find a really good female candidate, she may or not come to us because she is a sought after and yes. she can go to the whole, you know, you know yep. and you want to tell them, this is a, this is where you want to, this is like, this is where our future is. Exactly, in the exactly. And there are great places doing things like Code Like a Girl and, and places yep. like that yep. that are really trying to fire girls' interest in that. I know my daughter's an engineer and she has companies queuing for her to yes. to work for them. They need, every company needs a good balance. Yeah, and so maybe there's a generational thing, you know, that we, that we will see this change. but There's certainly uh, a lot more female engineers than there used to be. So maybe, come on, come on, mums and dads, get your girls into the coding. That's right. And, and just because you're not good at mathematics doesn't mean the people around you won't be. So don't put your, your transference onto... Uh, Onto your kids, yeah. That's something that we really try and push at AMSI. You know, um, um, but just to come back to what we were talking about at the beginning, for me it's really is, is as if we kind of did the full circle and go, okay, how can we make maths, you know, what, what are we doing to actually address this? My two things are accessibility, making it accessible for everybody, regardless of your gender, your ethnicity, your culture, your location, because we, we didn't even talk around um, having access to, to technology per se, you know, That's like, right. and then um, making giving kids digital tools and then teachers taking on that disruption going, okay, how am I going to use these digital tools in my teaching and learning? Because ultimately I'm the one who's, who's actually going to do this, you know, at the end of the day, I love that saying teachers won't be replaced by technology, but teachers who use technology probably will replace those who don't. Exactly, you know? exactly. So the fun bit's not all that. The fun bit's finding out Euler's identity. Wow, I didn't realise about this. Let's, let's find out more about that. That's right. Well, look, it has been an absolute delight to talk to you, Greg, and I would love for you to come back and talk to us about other tools that you've got and how we can actually improve our maths teaching by using these things. I'd like to talk more about maths anxiety. There's lots of topics that we could uh, yeah, touch on. Lots of topics around uh, data, around how to use data in mathematics to inform instruction, feedback to kids, giving giving formative feedback. I mean, we could, I've got to oh. stop. Uh, write me a list and I'll get you on any time. We will put 
all of the references that you've given us and anything else that you'd like to send, we'll put that up on our website and on the show notes and also on our Facebook page. So you'll be able to access any of that. But your Google machine is your friend. Anything that you've heard, stick it in your Google machine and and see how you go. What's your website? Oh, yeah. So so the best way to contact me and and text talk, well, contact me if you're you're using social media. Twitter is just at Greg O'Connor, all one word. So you can kind of find me at Twitter and send me a direct message. My email address is g.oconnor at texttalk.com. Otherwise, you can just do a search for texthelp, T-E-X-T-H-E-L-P in Google and you'll find us there. And you'll also find that information about the free tools I mentioned too, which I'll also put in the show notes as well. That's great. We really appreciate that. You've been listening to Maths Talk by AMSI Schools. Thanks for listening to us. You can contact us via our Facebook page, Maths Talk, search for that, or via calculate.org.au. We'll see you next time.